It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, July 8th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka's active COVID case count made a dramatic jump on Wednesday when local health officials reported 10 new cases, pushing the active case count in the community to 26. Two of the cases have been hospitalized. Seven of the new patients are Sitka residents and three are non-residents. More than half of the patients are 19 or younger. Several children under 10 tested positive, along with several teens, a woman in her 30s, two men in their 40s, and a man in his 50s. All 10 patients were experiencing symptoms when they received testing this week, according to city data. Four of the new cases are secondary, meaning the patients had known contact with a person who tested positive for the coronavirus. One case is travel-related, and contact tracing is still in progress for the rest of the patients. In an interview with the Sitka Sentinel on Wednesday, Fire Chief Craig Warren said that 19 of the last 20 reported coronavirus cases were unvaccinated. The vaccinated patient who tested positive was asymptomatic. With 26 coronavirus cases, Sitka remains on high alert, with the largest spike in COVID-19 cases since January. The recent uptick in coronavirus cases across the state has pushed Alaska's alert level up to moderate and Sitka's level up to high, but state health officials are not yet calling the increase a trend. And it's still too early to know if any of the new cases involve the Delta variant of the virus. In their weekly teleconference with the media, Alaska's top doctors and epidemiologists said that fluctuations in the numbers of cases is normal, even in highly vaccinated populations, and that residents should remain vigilant and, most importantly, vaccinated. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Like anyone else, doctors listen to the news. Alaska's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink, says that recent news reports from Israel describing a high percentage of new infections among vaccinated individuals is not as sensational as it sounds. That's because Israel is doing an even better job at vaccinating residents than Alaska. You can have a vaccine that's highly efficacious, you know, 90, 95 percent efficacious, still have breakthrough. And when you have a highly vaccinated population, you would expect, you know, somewhere around half of your cases to potentially be in vaccinated individuals, even though uh, the vaccine is still it's doing what it's supposed to be doing and doing a great job to minimizing cases, uh, illnesses and deaths. And where the success of the vaccine is most readily apparent, says Zinc, is on the back end. Ninety seven percent of hospitalizations for COVID-19 and 99 percent of the deaths are among unvaccinated patients. Other recent news involves revised guidance from the World Health Organization, or WHO, regarding masking in public places, even for vaccinated individuals. The guidance came as the Delta variant emerged as the most prevalent strain of the coronavirus, yet the guidance conflicts with that of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, which this spring gave the go-ahead for vaccinated individuals to go unmasked in many circumstances. Zink says the WHO, the CDC, the state, and even municipalities like Sitka have different COVID rates and different resources and may set up their own guidance depending on some key variables. The WHO is looking at a worldwide perspective about the number of cases as well as the amount of vaccine. And here in the United States, we're very blessed with uh, abundant vaccine at this time. 
Uh, and as a result, uh, the CDC has not made any changes to their guidance uh, regarding masking uh, it, in the light of the Delta variant that does look like it spreads more easily from person to person. Uh, and so continue to encourage people to do what they can to get vaccinated as quickly as possible, uh, but then continuing to choose activities uh, that are lower risk for transmission. So it's been great to see so many people outside recently with all of the sun, and that's a great place to be. Um, and then knowing that masks work, and so that is an additional tool that people can use if needed um, to be able to protect themselves and others. The Delta variant itself may be capturing the most attention. It has proven more communicable than the original form of the coronavirus and slightly more infectious for people who received their first dose of vaccine, but not their second. Dr. Louisa Casterdale manages the Infectious Disease Program in Alaska's section of epidemiology. She won't know if Delta has spread beyond the Yukon-Kuskokwim region in Alaska until genetic sequencing on the latest cases is complete. Nevertheless, she views the Delta variant in the overall context of COVID. Before Delta, we still had outbreaks and we still had like, you know, people um, people getting sick in really high numbers. So I guess, I mean, we're, we're very interested in Delta and the different features of transmissibility and potential severity and things like that. But I just don't want people to think that COVID wasn't a big deal prior to Delta. Like it was, it was causing illness and it was causing um, transmission um, prior to Um, sort of having mutations to Delta. And despite the serious news from other parts of the world and the country, Casterdale isn't calling this latest flare in Alaska a trend. Because Alaska's numbers are low, they tend to be noisy, she says. Five cases here, ten there, might just be bumps in the road. She's cautious in her approach to the data. I think at this point, you know, we don't like seeing anything um, trending up, but I, I don't know that we would call it a trend at this point and would sort of hold on to um, to see what the numbers kind of go from for here. Like her colleague, Dr. Zink, Casterdale says Alaskans are definitely benefiting from reduced crowding in summertime and the ability to do outdoor activities, all of which will change when schools reopen and the weather worsens this fall. She recommends vaccination for everyone 12 and older as soon as possible. We are not out of the woods yet, she says. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The 19th Amendment, ratified in 1920, gave women the right to vote across the country. But it took years of state-by-state campaigning to get there. In 1913, Alaska joined nine other states in granting suffrage to women. Alaska State Museums has a traveling exhibit about this history. KFSK's Katie Anastas spoke to Alaska State Museum's curator, Anjali Grantham, about the exhibit and how this history connects to voting access today. The title of this exhibit is called Alaska's Suffrage Star. Can you tell me about what that refers to? Yes. So suffragists across the country, anytime there was a new state that approved suffrage, they would add a star to their suffrage flag. And so it refers to a literal flag. And it also indicates um, the idea of the, the women themselves who were advocates of suffrage here in Alaska. Those are the stars as well. Can you tell me what those women were doing in Alaska? What did their work look like? Yes, well, in Alaska, it was pretty fast and furious. A lot of the people here were already suffragists, and there were uh, women who moved to Alaska from elsewhere who'd been engaged in suffrage campaigns all across the nation. The exhibit uh, features four women, and each of these women are really remarkable figures. 
Tilly Paul Tamari is a Klinka educator and uh, important in the history of the Presbyterian Church in Alaska. And uh, she was actually arrested for assisting a Klinka man to vote in Wrangell um, prior to the passage of the uh, Indian Citizenship Act. Um, so she's a great example of, um, of a voting rights activist in Alaska. I know that the history of women's suffrage has a lot of racism and systemic inequality that in many ways kind of helped push it forward. What was the role of Alaska Native women in this? When HB2 passed, it was specifically for Alaska, for Alaska women citizens, including the word citizens, right? And Alaska Native women weren't considered citizens until um, 1924, when Congress passed the um, Indian Citizenship Act. And then soon after that, though, it was that um, the, the territorial legislature put in some like new rules, making it really difficult for um, Alaska Natives overall to vote. So, um, I mean, the history of voting rights indicated, you know, with suffrage, but then over and over again, is that it seems like there's two steps forward and then immediately backlash, um, trying to shove us two steps back. And that kind of brings me to, you know, this is such a wide reaching history that spans so many decades. Can you tell me kind of about the exhibit and what range of time gets covered in this? This exhibit really focuses on the 19 teens and looking at really 1913, which is when that was when the Alaska women citizens who were mostly white women at that time were able to vote for the first time. And then onward, we include in the exhibit a timeline showing um, the challenges to voting rights through time uh, beginning in 1913. And, and we actually end that timeline in 2013, which is when the U.S. Supreme Court um, struck down some provisions of the Voting Rights Act so that states no longer had to approve changes to their voting procedures with the federal government. Um, and these were states with histories of voter discrimination in the past. And Alaska was one of those states. Is there anything that you learned putting this exhibit together that you feel like applies to what's going on now, whether that's Alaska or somewhere else in the U.S.? Yeah, I, I mean, without a doubt, with this most recent election, there was um, expansion of voting access through mail-in ballots and, and other ways to make it easier for people to vote. And what do we see as the backlash? We see state governments across the country trying to restrict access making it more difficult for people to vote. This is what's happened across U.S. history uh, for decades and decades and decades. And so um, hopefully people can see this, have the broader view, and realize that it's time for us to move beyond restrictions and towards greater access. That was Angela Grantham, a curator with the Alaska State Museums. Alaska's Suffrage Star is touring the state. The exhibit's next stops are Ketchikan, Fairbanks, and Wasilla. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.